Hey everyone, welcome back to the MedTech Talk Podcast. This is Tom Salemi. At our upcoming MedTech Conference, which is happening on May 31st in Minneapolis, we'll have a, a great panel put together by Lisa Soonan of GE Ventures called The Impact of Data, Machine Learning, and Artificial Intelligence on the MedTech Industry. One of the panelists will be David Van Sickle, the CEO and co-founder of Propella Health, which is a really, really cool company that has uh, developed a way, a sensor to monitor a, a patient's inhaler uh, for for people who are suffering from asthma, it's able to, to help them manage the disease better, able to uh, add other critical information like environmental um, conditions and things that uh, help them manage their disease. So it's, uh, it's a panel dedicated to the intersection of medical technology and information technology. It's uh, something we're all seeing more of and will continue to see going forward. So very happy to have David as the guest on today's MedTech Talk podcast. We talk about uh, Propeller's origins, about its uh, interesting first name, <laughs> and uh, then, of course, what impact it's making, not only uh, in, uh, in, in helping individual people with asthma, uh, individuals with asthma manage their disease, but also how it's helping larger communities and how that, that improvement is being measured in places like Louisville. So, it's a great company. Uh, David has an interesting background. I really enjoyed this conversation. So before I begin it, don't forget to register for the MedTech Conference, which is happening on May 31st in Minneapolis. Go to medtechconference.com. The uh, breakouts are out. If you are interested in, in attending one of the uh, the very informative breakouts from our great partners, you need to go to medtechconference.com to uh, check them out. You may also have received them in your inbox, so look for that. They sell out quickly, so please make sure if you want to get into the into if you have one you want to get into specifically, you should register for the conference very very soon. Now let's get into this conversation with David Van Sickle, the CEO and co-founder of Propeller Health. Well, David Van Sickle, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me here, Tom. We're extremely uh, thrilled to have you at the MedTech Conference on May 31st in Minneapolis. That's going to be a great panel that uh, Lisa Soonan helped put together. So uh, thanks for being part of that. And uh, Propeller is one of those companies that uh, you hear a lot about. I don't know how you're able to generate the buzz you do, but uh, but there's a lot going on. So I was hoping in this podcast to, to just focus the buzz a little bit, find out a little bit more about what Propeller is up to, and then we can get into your career uh, later on because you've got some interesting origins. So tell us a bit about uh, Propeller's technology. Uh, what are the origins, and, and what exactly is Propeller able to do? Sure. So about 10 years ago, uh, I met two co-founders, and we uh, took some technology that I'd been working on on campus uh, off the uh, University of Wisconsin and started uh, the business of Propeller, initially called Asmapolis, but we ended up renaming the – yeah. Well, it's, it was very it was very memorable and equally hard to pronounce. Um, so uh, it had some some special brand magic. Well, but, uh, uh, but it was quite confusing. Thank you for, for changing people. it. As a, I'm uh, sorry to drop, but the, as a podcaster, thank you for changing it. That would have been a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. Um, you know, it was it was uh, it was obvious to us after a couple of years of being in the market that there was. Um, there was an interest in what we were doing, not just in asthma, but in but in COPD. And, and candidly, when people with COPD were 
getting a box with uh, the words as mapless on the side they were they were confused and you know in some cases would just send it back so we <laughs> we saw this opportunity to expand the market to um, to all of respiratory and you know that was kind of the reason behind the name but it also taught us a lot about the ways in which the the work that we were doing to monitor the day-to-day -day use of medicines and to put that the data uh, to use in uh, in improving self-management and giving physicians and organizations uh, new views into how their their populations of patients were doing, um, you know how that could be broadened to to folks with COPD as well. Um, a very different audience, right? In, in asthma, often a, p a pediatric onset, uh, and in COPD, uh, you, you know disproportionately later in life. So different experiences and facilities with technology. Uh, you know different demands and requirements from uh, from from the technology itself uh, it gave us a lot of new challenges, but it was also uh, i think really satisfying to the team and to to me personally to think about chronic respiratory disease as a whole and a target for what we were doing um, you know beyond just asthma uh, in the early days. So tell us a bit about what, uh, well, uh, before I get into the, what you want to do, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go off a bit of a tangent. I'm, I'm a fan of uh, other podcasts, including the, the Startup Podcast, where it was about the creation of Gimlet Media, and they had a whole episode about uh, coming up with the name of Gimlet Media. How ultimately did you uh, come up with the name for, of Propeller Health? Did you, uh, did you hire a firm to uh, draw that up, or <laughs> did you just you know, bump into an, a, a propeller someday, one day at an airport or something? Yeah. Um, no, it, I mean it was uh, it was a name we we'd thought of early on, but it had been you know it had been passed over, um, and and when the time came for us to make the switch, uh, I think one of my investors' uh, words were you know do it fast and do it for you know for free, uh, so we <laughs> so we spent uh, you know time and 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 most of our our creative output coming up with uh, with alternatives, and, and that's where we landed, and in the end we you know we built a story around. Um, you know, the, the way in which uh, propellers like generate lift and, you know, mechanical advantage and kind of all of the, all of the symbolism that can come along with, uh, with the air and, and energy and so forth. Um, you know, it, it resonated with, with what we were, what we, how we think about technology and what we're trying to build um, sort of in, in the utility of, uh, you know, better days with fewer symptoms and so forth. And uh, so, so we went with it and, um, you know, it's been, uh, it's been the name of the company now for so long I, I almost forget until somebody shows up in an old Asmapolis shirt uh, <laughs> that we were ever called something different. So. you got to get one of those shirts. So tell us a bit about, uh, about what uh, Propella does. You're, it's a sensor that you affixed to your, to your – well, why don't I let you just tell you, answer the question. What is Propella's technology? What exactly are you able to do? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so really the idea for the technology was, uh, was inspired by – um, kind of an emerging trend in, in trying to understand how to better manage asthma in a community and uh, the recognition that how often people were using their day-to-day -day, uh, medications, which people, uh, you know, take in one case to try to prevent symptoms from occurring. And on the other hand, they use a different kind of medicine to relieve an attack when, when it happens. Um, the idea was that making visible that those patterns of medication use could really provide a whole new source of information about how a patient was doing. It'd be like a new vital sign for, for, their, for their respiratory health. And mm -hmm. it would also teach you about you know, their burden and their management. And so way back when, um, the idea was to figure out a way to put technology onto an inhaler, which 
you know, is this, uh, you know, device that people are carrying around and using already, you know, in millions of people across the, the U.S., uh, to figure out a way to marry technology with that device so we could monitor remotely the use of it. And, you know, in the case of the day-to-day -day medicine, um, figure out technology and uh, interfaces and experiences that would help people understand and be more regular at using those uh, those medicines to be more adherent with their, you know, their prescribed regimen. And then in the case of the medicine that they're taking when they have symptoms, when they've got an asthma attack and they're wheezing or coughing or whatever, monitoring the use of that because it's, a, it's really a marker or a sign of how well somebody's doing. If you're using a lot of that medicine or you're using it often at nighttime, it gives you this indication of how well somebody's doing, whether they're stable and improving or you know, worsening and likely to have a more serious exacerbation. Um, so again, uh, collectively, like what we do is take these medicines, connect them to the network, and essentially create kind of this live pulse of the planet about you know the respiratory health of an individual, but also what's happening around them in their community, uh, and hopefully uh, then you know follow that through all the way to better self-management, better care and treatment from their physician, and even you know better public health. So that data can loop back all the way onto municipal decision making and interventions that uh, you know a payer or a municipality might take to try to make life easier for people with uh, with chronic respiratory disease. Interesting. So is it uh, the, the sensor that's attached to the uh, to the inhaler? Is, is it simply measuring the the compressions? And, and that's it, or does it go deeper in that? Well, that's that's one of the types. So there's a whole bunch of different kinds of inhalers on the market nowadays. There's, okay. there's the you know the kind you think of where you press and breathe. It's called a meter dose inhaler, and we make a sensor for that. And then there's a whole bunch of medications that are delivered in that type of an inhaler. Then there's dry powder inhalers. You know, some of which like uh, the Adver discus, for example, look like a sort of a purple. Uh, flat purple oval, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and there's, you know, there's there's many different varieties. So, from early on, Propeller had to really confront like this complexity and the different types of medicines that people were using to address, uh, you know, chronic respiratory disease, the different form factors, so to speak. And we had to build devices, uh, 510K devices, you know, get them through regulatory review and approval that could be attached to a device, not make it any more difficult or complicated to use that medicine. God forbid we don't want to make it harder for you to use your inhaler or somehow interfere with the delivery of the medicine. So we have to do a lot of work to demonstrate to the agency that these are safe and effective and so on, reliable. Um, so we have to build a variety of different devices now to encompass kind of all the different medications that are on the market for, uh, for chronic respiratory. And then, you know, make sure that those can be, um, that can be, uh, you know, they're, that they're portable, that they can be reused for a long life, uh, that they don't need to be recharged, you know, that they're easy to connect to your phone and so forth. So there's lots of different aspects to the technology, but um, the vast variety of, uh, of different types of inhalers sure made kind of, uh, you know, the initial challenge of getting coverage across the market, one of the, the bigger obstacles we face. So what are some of the other tools that you're, uh, you're connecting sensors to? Uh, well, we also grab data from connected spirometers. Mm -hmm. these, are, uh, these are devices that are used to sort of measure how much air you exhale and how fast you're blowing it out uh, and so forth. And that gives you kind of a different picture of lung physiology, which kind of, you know, can inform, uh, you know, a view of how well the person's being, being, uh, being treated and can help diagnose it and so forth. So those are devices, those are different from the, the connected you know, sensors that we make for medicines. It's, a, it's like a separate instrument and we get those 
uh, you know, uh, and use those kind of as needed across different commercial programs. Um, otherwise, we're capturing a lot of data from uh, cooperating services where, uh, you know, we might want to understand the weather or the environment in a person's location where they're having a lot of symptoms and then use that to try to understand what's, what kind of exposures are causing their symptoms uh, and, you know, help teach them or help them become experts in their own, um, in their own disease and uh, faster, so to speak. So what can we learn by looking around you in the environment when you're having an asthma attack, understanding uh, you know, what the weather's like or the, what the air quality or pollen is like, and then compare that to times when you're not having symptoms, right? And over, over the course of uh, participation in Propeller, the system will rapidly learn uh, what, you know, what I think of as kind of new perspectives on your condition and then try to share those with you through uh, the different interfaces and ho you know, hopefully help guide, pull you through to, uh, to better, kind of more efficient uh, self-management. Hey, everyone, Tom here. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Dave Van Sickle of Propeller Health. If you have an interest in the respiratory space, well, let me tell you about our upcoming Healthogy event. It's the Respiratory Innovation Summit. It's happening on May 19th in San Diego. It's happening during the annual meeting of the American Thoracic Society. So I hope you'll consider joining us. It's going to be a great day filled with discussions between CEOs, VCs, strategics, and others. But we'll also have over 20 company presentations, startups in the Bentech biopharma and digital health space. It's going to be a great one-day event for anyone interested in the respiratory space. Go to attendris.com. That is attendris.com. That's what we want you to do, attendris. And uh, check out the agenda, and please do sign up. We'd love to see you in San Diego on May 19th. Now let's get back into this conversation. So I'm looking on your website and I do see the, the, the cell phone uh, images and you have a daily asthma forecast for San Francisco showing the air quality, the temperature, et cetera. Is that data yeah. that you're collecting and transmitting to uh, the, the, your users who have this app on their phone? Is that how that works? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so every day you get a personal forecast for, uh, for asthma or for, you know, for respiratory in your, in your area. And that's um, comprised just... Uh, yeah, well, it's really it's really composed for an individual based on their own historical patterns, but also on what's happening around them in the environment, and that can mean you know weather, air quality, uh, pollen, all sorts of other data that the the system is uh, trying to make sense of as it as it streams in. Uh, and you know, and the beauty of the sensor uh, sensored medicines is that then we have. You know, we have a little bit of the uh, the outcome, right? We know then in the course of that day whether you used your medicine in response to that environment, uh, you know, that the context. So over time, the system's able to get much smarter, much quicker about uh, you know the value and accuracy of its predictions, if, if that makes sense, and you know to feed that back onto the uh, you know into the the analysis that it's running. Fascinating. And looking at, again, the, the, your website, you've got almost a, a, you sign up, you get your shipping, your sensors, you, and there's a, a Propeller Health email that you'd sign up for. What is the, what is the program like to engage with, with patients? Are they, are they, I don't know, part of, a, of a, an online community? Uh, how are you sort of collecting these patients and, and giving them these emails and interacting with them? Yeah, there's really two ways an individual might get enrolled in the system. One is, uh, they would come to our website or like a co-branded landing page, uh, you know, create an account, and then we would ship them a sensor or sensors for their relevant medicines in the, you know, in the mail, and they would 
get them get set up and get going. Uh, so kind of like a you know a consumer experience. The other is through clinics where where we work hand in hand with an organization. I mean a, a healthcare organization that uh, is participating in the program. And in that case, uh, you know the practice nurse or the physician or some someone in the in the clinic uh, might introduce the individual to the program and provide them with the kits there and and get going. There's a couple of other ways that people can enroll in Propeller, but by and large, those are the those are the, the dominant, uh, you know, the dominant paths. Uh, we tend to work with a whole variety of organizations that um, you know, are, are essentially have, you know, economic and clinical interest in, in trying to improve how people with chronic respiratory disease are doing. Um, that means payers, obviously. That means provider organizations where they have some risk uh, economically around the outcome. Uh, that means PBMs. We announced a, a program with Express Scripts. Uh, last fall to bring Propeller to a whole bunch of their members, uh, and that you know that can mean kind of combinations of those organizations too, in increasingly interesting ways. Uh, so those are the those are really the kind of the main commercial uh, programs that are underway. And there you know there's certainly individuals can come to Propeller and uh, and look at what's available to them and sign up and and get using the system if they're interested. And what has your interaction been like with the uh, with the makers of the inhalers? And the spirometers and such are they are they um, amenable to having have they been agreeable and amenable in working with you in making sure they work together? Uh, how would you uh, describe that, those interactions? Oh yeah, strong strong partners. Um, so I think respiratory is really interesting in that uh, you know in a lot of cases we have highly effective medicines that can be really uh, uh, really effective at improving asthma control, uh, for example. Uh, but they're, that they're complicated and difficult to use in some cases, or people don't quite understand them, and adherence is, is low. The idea that a digital companion or some kind of digital experience could be tightly coupled with these medicines in ways that make them easier for people to understand, uh, more personal, uh, and um, you know, help individuals uh, recognize the opportunity to use the existing medicines uh, more appropriately uh, is very attractive to, to respiratory pharma, to payers too, because they get to benefit from increased adherence, uh, and to individuals, right? Nobody wants to have a day with asthma symptoms if they could be avoided, or if it's in your kid, uh, you know, the, the willingness to pay and the interest in trying to, to get the condition under control is, is even higher. So uh, on the pharma side, Propeller has worked closely with a bunch of different uh, brands and franchises to essentially help them think about ways in which a version of Propeller or Propeller itself could be uh, kind of this companion digital experience to, to their marketed medicine. And, you know, in that collaboration, then, uh, you know, we help them, uh, you know, think about also ways in which it gets distributed and how do we help them make sense of the data from the, from the devices. So these are longstanding and important and productive um, commercial partnerships that Propeller has with organizations like, like GSK, for example, uh, you know, to help them uh, uh, and to really work collaboratively to think about digital as a kind of an adjuvant to, uh, you know, to a person's inhaled medicine regimen. Do you see uh, opportunities outside of respiratory to work with other either pharma or, or med tech companies in developing sensors for their, for their products? Oh, I mean, I think there's all sorts of connected medicines happening now. I mean, you've seen introduction of connected injectable medicines for, for a variety of conditions. Um, yeah, I think it's just a matter of time before... 
uh, you know, connectivity, obviously, in the service of patients and physicians is brought to a range of different delivery devices. Uh, th this isn't really worth doing just for its own sake. It's only do worth doing to the extent you can make, you know, a meaningful improvement in uh, the experience, or you can meaningfully change the experience of a chronic disease in a way that benefits an individual or their physician or the patient-physician team, right? You have to approach this from their perspective first and foremost, not from the perspective of uh, of anyone else involved. And to the extent you can do that kind of across therapeutic areas and in different diseases, absolutely it will happen. Um, you know, you'll, I think you'll you already see that in the market and you'll see, uh, in, you know, an increasing number of solutions um, created there too. So... Um, optimistic about the benefits. Is Propeller staying in uh, in its lane in, in respiratory, or do you see opportunities for your company in other areas? Uh, I mean, I think we've learned a lot about about respiratory and how hard it is uh, to recruit, enroll, and onboard patients with asthma and COPD, and to build digital solutions that benefit benefit them. There's definitely some opportunities in in adjacent areas, uh, you know, closely adjacent areas where. We think what we've learned could potentially benefit individuals with specific uh, conditions, but uh, but at the moment we're we're pretty focused on respiratory and the value that we can bring to those patients. Um, you know, so we'll we'll see uh, we'll see what happens, but but right now uh, connecting different types of medicines for for inhaled medicines has been been what we've uh, paid attention to. And let's talk a little bit about the uh, the partnership you had with uh, the city of Louisville. And uh, you had some uh, some results recently that you announced uh, regarding improvements in uh, in local asthmatics residents inhaler use. There, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, sure. This is a really interesting one, um, and one close to my heart because of my public health background. Um, we essentially worked with the with the city of Louisville under the leadership of Mayor Greg Fisher there, who wanted to think about ways in which technology could help make it easier for individuals with asthma and COPD to live in uh, you know in the metro. And also at the same time create data that would enable him and his administration and and uh, and different aspects of the city government to be more effective at targeting and evaluating interventions to try to improve poor poor air quality. Uh, the area is known for uh, kind of a, a topographic um, situation that ends up you know landing it on kind of one of the top ten worst places to live with asthma in the U.S. over and over again. So anything that uh, that you can think about by monitoring where, when, who is having asthma in a community on a day-to-day -day basis, essentially building kind of, you know, the last mile of public health surveillance and trying to make visible those medication events. Anything you can learn there that could teach the city about where they need to intervene given constraints on public health dollars uh, on giving latitude and how they negotiate with, you know, stationary air polluters or, you know, how they route traffic and so forth. Anything you can give them to make those data-driven decisions and to also help them evaluate whether they're effective is going to be an interest of the city, is going to be interest of businesses who want a healthier workforce, it's going to be interest of, of the residents, right? And uh, so it's really interesting, really exciting partnership that came together with uh, dozens of different organizations across the city, ranging from payers to employers and uh, you know healthcare organizations, all of whom really wanted to to come together to think about ways in which propeller specifically, but this idea of kind of crowdsourced bottoms up public health more generally uh, could get put to work on this problem. Um, and you're starting to see now P propeller and others publish the results of, of all that work, which was you know, meaningful in that it brought about big improvements in individual symptoms amongst participants, 
but but even more generally, it was meaningful in the sense that it gave data, kind of new new set of data, uh, to actors who could do something with it. Uh, you know, whether that's changing where they um, you know they invest in greening or whether they introduce traffic calming in a certain area and so forth. Uh, you're seeing this really interesting kind of downstream uh, municipal interventions shape up as a result of uh, the information generated from propeller kind of in aggregate uh, in that city. And uh, you know, to me, that was kind of the reward of seeing uh, you know, the whole thing come together kind of in a closed loop. My personal career from public health through you know, digital health all the way back to public health, so to speak, uh, but also to see just the data flow kind of loop all the way back from individual to public health to municipality and so forth. I think that I think that border between clinical medicine and and public health has been way too rigorously guarded over the years. And part of what we can do with digital is kind of break that down and and you you know and traverse it back and forth all in favor of finding ways to you know to hopefully catch these diseases in new moments of weakness or to understand something that we couldn't see when we were just looking at individuals or just looking at groups. Amen to that. That's great. And finally, I did want to wrap up with with that. You're you're you were formerly of the CDC. You've you've come from a public health background. Tell us a bit about uh, well how you got there, and then how you ultimately became uh, CEO of a startup. Uh, yeah, sure. I started out in public health. Actually, I'm trained as a as a medical anthropologist, uh, huh. which is a which is a um, essentially a fancy way of saying I think a lot about about culture and its role in the epidemiology of different different chronic conditions, or in my case, chronic conditions. So, and I put myself through graduate school by working in uh, different communities, um, sort of where there was an opportunity to look at asthma and different, um, you know, different types of asthma or different kinds of exposures and how that was manifesting in, uh, in, in chronic respiratory. So that meant a couple of years uh, working on the Navajo Reservation, a couple of years up in Alaska, uh, in, the, in the Yukon, Cuscoquim Delta. And then my dissertation work was over in India for a couple of years. Um, when I finished up, I went to work at the CDC as part of the Epidemic Intelligence Service, which is essentially uh, like a disease detective job, uh, you know, essentially trying to, you know, identify and then squelch any kind of outbreak of, of a respiratory wow. condition. CSI, CDC kind of thing? Yeah, so to speak. <laughs> uh, I had the fry cook hat and everything. I was a pretty, pretty big failure as a public health service officer because I didn't know how to salute. I was told I saluted like a British officer, which is problematic <laughs> all around. That hurts. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but I, uh, you know, I realized quickly on that public health data was neither timely nor... Uh, geographically specific enough to sort of let me do what I was hoping we could do at public health level, which was, you know, real timely and kind of interventions to try to, to, to bring these, uh, these asthma episodes under control. And um, so I left and came up here after three years there at CDC. I came up here to the School of Medicine in Wisconsin uh, to a postdoc here and, um, you know, pretty quickly went awry as, a, as an academic and started, uh, this is 2006, uh, started developing um, you know, new technology that could that could help connect, or well, that would connect an inhaler to the network. Um, I had this idea, right, that if you could monitor where an inhaler was used in time and place, you could you could essentially change the way you did public health. You'd have this, uh, as I said before, kind of this bottoms-up perspective on what was happening, and uh, so I wanted to build that. Um, yeah, I was able to get 
you know, to get it going kind of in on campus uh, and ran a couple of small trials with early prototypes that were remarkable for, um, you know, for the patients and the enthusiasm that the individuals uh, who participated showed. They were really interested in doing more and better in managing their asthma. And so I, as we started to see clinical results come out of that and we could see the benefits that were um, that were accruing to the participants, we, uh, you know, I, I looked around for a way to kind of get this off campus into out of the, you know, yearly grant funding cycle and try to get it to scale. And that's when I, I uh, socially encountered the, the two fellows who'd gone to be co-founders of Propeller, uh, Mark Gehring and Greg Tracy, who had um, a background together in, in, uh, in uh, medical uh, software startups, essentially building uh, radiation treatment planning software and, and imaging systems and so forth. So it was a, just a really good meeting of uh, uh, you know, skills and experience and enthusiasm and um, you know, I owe so much of what's been uh, fun and, and accomplished about, about Propeller to, to those two guys and everybody else that's gathered around the business over the years to help get us down the road. So what have been the challenges in being the CEO of a startup? I mean, you still are, you still very much have health and public health as part of your core mission, but you also need to manage people and run, and run a company. What has that transition been like? Uh, it's, it's been good. Um, it's different, right? I don't, as a not no longer really a scientist, I don't get to work directly on the problem. Now I work at kind of an order removed, right? Or an ab, a layer abstracted from that and building a team that works on the problem and, that's definitely one of the rewards. It's also just intellectually always one of the challenges, right? To figure out how to, how to work on the company as much as you know you're still thinking about the problem yourself as a you know as a scientist with a deep background in that specific area. So, but things have changed a lot, and I think that's one of the more um, you know the one of the the more uh, significant challenges over the years has been trying to build a, a health technology startup in the context of a pretty dynamic healthcare environment, right? Where for the first couple of years, we weren't sure, uh, you know, if there was going to be healthcare reform, then there was healthcare reform, and is it going to be repealed, and then, you know, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, so it just understanding kind of where the background um, kind of incentives and, and orientation were going to wind up and whether they were ever going to stabilize was always, was always a, you know, in, kind of in the front of the company's, um, you know, strategy like how do we how do we build a business that's driving down you know acute utilization for ER uh, of ER and hospital for for asthma attacks if you know if there, we don't move to value based care right or what what have you so uh, that was that was uh, that was difficult I think we had to we had to convince ourselves ultimately that there was always going to be a commercial model for a company that could make it easier to live and better manage, you know, asthma and COPD and forget what was happening in the background with, uh, you know, with healthcare reform and just assume that it was going to, it was always going to make sense to an individual patient and a physician and we'd figure out a way to make it commercially work. Yeah. Someone famously said, who knew healthcare was so complicated, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. And that's true. <laughs> that's true in the static sense. And then, you know, and then like forward that over the year and, uh, you know, over the years and it's like, whoa, it's really been quite a, quite a, a different and evolving target over the years. But uh, I don't know. I think I, I still believe what, what kind of what we convinced ourselves when it was fluctuating is 
what really matters is like accumulating clinical evidence and making sure this is something that's meeting the day-to-day kind of you know needs of patients who don't want to do as much work managing illness you know absolutely and in the Louisville study has got to be very very gratifying and that's a seems to be a very cool city for kind of a hotbed of uh, of healthcare innovation just just keep hearing more and more from, coming from there so it's cool to be part of it yeah they're doing lots of great work down there all sorts of good uh good companies in healthcare and beyond so it's a it's a really a really remarkable setting for that kind of innovation and support and so on excellent well, thanks for taking a few minutes to, to share your story and Propeller's story. And uh, again, we look forward to seeing you on May 31st at the MedTech conference. Yeah, thanks. I look forward to being there. I appreciate the time today. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks, MedTech Talk podcast listeners, for joining us on the podcast this week. Thanks, Dave Van Sickle, for joining us on the podcast and at the MedTech conference, which is happening on May 31st in Minneapolis. MedTech Talk podcast listeners, if you wouldn't mind telling your friends about the podcast, subscribe to the podcast or give us a ranking on iTunes. Once again, we're very grateful for the support this podcast is receiving and uh, we're very thankful to those who have helped spread the word. So next week, we'll have another great tale of innovation. Of course, go to the MedTechConference.com website to register for the MedTech Conference. It's happening on May 31st and we will see you in Minneapolis.